I noticed uh, when Isaac announced that I would be preaching today, there was a smattering of applause. And then when he said it would be my last chapel sermon, it really picked up. Thanks. You guys really know how to kick off an honor chapel. I love it. Truthfully, Deb and I know better than anybody uh, all the reasons why we shouldn't have had the opportunities of service that we've had through the years. And we know better than anybody else why we don't deserve any honor really at all. But the truth of the matter is, it's all evidence of the grace of God. And so, on account of that and to His glory, we'll gladly receive this today. And I love the assignment I've been given. You know, in the psalm series we've been in, when I feel whatever, then we get to turn to a particular psalm. And I I chose, when I feel gratitude, I turn to Psalm 136. Now, there are lots of go-to psalms about gratitude, but I want to hang out in Psalm 136 a while this morning. You probably know that it, of course, is couched in there between Psalm 135 and 139, the psalms of thanksgiving. And Psalm 136 gives us reasons to thank God. Verse 1 really would be enough in and of itself. Wouldn't even have to have the rest of the chapter. Verse 1 reads this way, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. That'd be enough, wouldn't it? Okay, good enough, then I'm done. <clears throat> Actually, you knew, you knew better than that. I do want a little bit more of your time, but I also want your audience participation. The Israelites would use this psalm in their worship, as they did with many other psalms. And so I suppose it's a good thing for us to use it in ours as well. Here's the way we'll use it. The words will be on the screen. I'm going to read the first part of the verse, and then you as a congregation will word the refrain. And uh, the words will be there. It'll be pretty easy for you, though, because your refrain is over and over. His love endures forever. But what I'm hoping is that as we hear ourselves say it out loud, that the truth of this passage will sink deep into our souls, okay? So let's read it together. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him who alone does great wonders. Who by His understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. To Him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. To Him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the desert, who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, 
and gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his servant Israel, to the one who remembered us in our low estate and freed us from our enemies and who gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. I simply, in a devotional way more than anything at Psalm 136, want to encourage all of us to give thanks to God. And it really would lead off of that first verse. We give thanks to the Lord because He is good. You've all heard this saying, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to believe it. And it's yet another thing to live it out. To believe that God is good all the time. The intrinsic goodness of God is something for which we should give thanks because, well, because we aren't always so good. He always is good. Have you ever been like me? Sometimes I see something that's irritating me that's going on in the world, and and I think, man, if I could do so. Oh, man. And I think to myself, and then I come to my senses, and I say, whoa, it's a good thing I'm not God. (laughs) Because so much of the time I'm not good. I'm not inclined to be good. Like God is good all the time. And understanding that's really important. The third servant didn't understand that, did he? You know, I'm talking about the parable of the talents where Jesus told the story about the master who gives a sum of money to three different servants, more to the first, a little less to the second, and even less to the third. And the master goes away. The servants, well, two of them, put the money to work and invest it for the advantage of the master to whom it belonged. But the third did not. And when the master comes back, Jesus says that the master commends the first two servants and uh, is is affirming of them. But the third servant, when he comes to the third servant, of course you remember that in the parable, the master clearly represents God, (laughs) the giver of every good and perfect gift. And the servant says to the master, he says, I knew that you were a hard man. You gather where you haven't scattered. You harvest where you haven't sown. So I was afraid and I hid the money. I buried it. Here, here's what belongs to you. Now the behavior of the servant was way off. But the reason why his behavior was way off was because his view of the master was way off. God is good. Distorted views about most anything can usually be traced back to a distorted view about God. When we forget the goodness of God, everything gets fouled up. And the prophet Isaiah described it this way in chapter 5 verse 20. He said, What are those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? You get everything turned around. When we find ourselves in this mess, like 
the world in which we live right now, this broken world. And when we find ourselves in that kind of mess in our own lives, when we start getting things turned around and cocky wampus, there's still good news. Even when you and I are messed up, God is still good. And in His goodness, He always shows us a better way. So we give thanks for He is good. And His love endures forever. The next few verses in this psalm, really 2 through 9, cause us to understand we give thanks to the Lord because He is altogether other. Altogether other. In verse 2, He's the God of gods. Verse 3, He's the Lord of lords. And you remember from history of ancient Israel, Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments, the first two. No other gods before me. No graven images. And any good Israelite would know the Shema and would repeat it daily often. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. (laughs) And I love the worship songs. Where we praise Him about that. The ones that we've been singing today. One of my favorites is the one with the lyrics, There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. That's what this psalm is reminding us of. He is all together other. That talks about His power then in verses 4 through 9. And interestingly, the Holy Spirit inspires the psalmist to talk about creation. Creation. The power of God. His omnipotence. The one alone who does great wonders. By His understanding, He made the heavens. He puts the earth in place. He makes the great lights, the stars, the moon, the sun. No one can do that but God. It's His omnipotence on display. The omnipotence of God is contrasted with the impotence of false man-made gods. You probably know that Psalm 135 and Psalm 136 are very similar, but in Psalm 135 it goes into a bit more detail about this particular contrast between the altogether other God And these false gods. In Psalm 135 it says, beginning at verse 15, The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak. Eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear. Nor is there breath in their mouths. Now get this. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. How will we be like them if we trust in these false gods? This is how we'll be like them. Absolutely powerless. <laughs> powerless. Because our God is not before anyone else. There is no one else, really. <laughs> They're all false gods, false lords. He is all together other. And I love the beauty of the creation that you and I can enjoy every day. To be able to see and understand how it shows His power. And it's interesting to me how over and over in the Scripture, the Holy Spirit inspires lots of writers to lean on God's activity as Creator to underline His power. 
and the good sense it makes for us to put our implicit trust in Him. There's none like Him. We give thanks to the Lord because He's altogether other, and especially He is set apart when it comes to love because His love endures forever. Now, the balance of this psalm, I believe, is wrapped up in the third reason why I want to suggest we give thanks to the Lord. And I've labeled it this way. We give thanks to the Lord because He's the one who's got this. He's the one who's got this. That's another phrase that we use a lot. We're up against a difficult time. We remind one another, God's got this. God's got this. Oh, we need to realize that that is more than just cliche. It is substantive. And I hope that can encourage you today. And so I want to qualify a commonly accepted notion that's stated this way. Perception is reality. I'm sure you've heard it. You've probably said it. And I get it. I understand what we're talking about there. But I also know that words matter. (laughs) And words have meaning. And it's really important to be precise. So can I suggest to you that perception is perception. (laughs) And it may be reality. But it may be misperception. In fact, perception is often misperception. And that matters because things are not always as they appear. In fact, I'd go so far as to say praise and thank God that things are not always as they appear. It would appear, and many perceive that the wicked and evil are in control in this world and that God, if there is a God, is asleep at the wheel, distant and detached. Where is he? Down in Texas. Where is he in New York? I don't need to rehearse all the headlines of the evil that is present in our world. Many perceive that the brokenness of the world and the rampant fallout is proof that God either doesn't exist or if He does, He is either woefully inadequate or incredibly apathetic. And some people even wonder if maybe He is even evil Himself. And in our most honest moments about some of the doubts we sometimes have, maybe we've even wondered about these things. And I think that would be one of those honest doubts that Chad spoke to us about last week in his sermon. He said that true faith includes some honest doubts and finding your way through it for the benefit of those who weren't here. But I want to say this. Praise and thank God. Things are not always the way they appear. And the reality is, if this psalm is true, and we believe it is, the reality is God's got this. It was true for Israel when things appeared differently to them, as they often did. And so you have 
a brief summary, a rehearsal of God's dealing with Israel in the balance of this psalm. So God's got this when people are in bondage. Is there anybody here who feels tied up, bound, struggling to get free? God's got this with His strong arm and He can bring you out. God's got this when the enemy is closing in and the Red Sea is in your way. Anybody feel like the enemy's hot on your heels and the barriers in front of you are really daunting and difficult to have any idea how you could possibly make it through? God's got this. When you are in the desert, in the wilderness, frustrated, tired, Irritable, wondering what is ahead. Does anybody have any feelings of uncertainty about the future? God's got this when the kings of men clash with the kingdom of God and He always routs them. Anybody here concerned about the raging nations? In our headlines every day. God's got this. Take great comfort in that. Some of you have heard me tell about this. I, I had a favorite song growing up in the church. You know, I was in a family where we were there every time the doors were open. Sunday morning, Sunday night, whenever. I haven't looked back at my childhood and I'm thankful that we weren't in a mega church that had three morning services. Because we would not have picked early, middle, or late. My mom would have pulled us by the ear and said, they'll all do you good. Come on, we're going to all three of them. We always had to go to Sunday night church, and I, as a grade schooler, we'd be outside playing, and Mom would holler out, it's time to come in and get cleaned up and go to church. And I'd say, do we have to go? And she'd say, no, we get to go. <laughs> and she'd have us come in, get cleaned up, and we'd go. And it was on those Sunday nights that I landed on my favorite song when I was in grade school. In this thing called a... In this thing called a hymnal, an ancient artifact that you can ask your grandparents about. Uh, They had this song. It was called The Heavenly Vision. And then in the more contemporary songbooks that came along, (laughs) they changed the title to the first line of the refrain of this old hymn. Some of you might know it. And I fell in love with it. It was called the chorus, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I fell in love with it as a boy, but I must confess there was absolutely nothing noble about it. For you see, at the First Christian Church of Kenosha, Wisconsin, it was their custom to sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, as their closing song. (laughs) And I fell in love with it. For me, it meant, we're finally getting out of here. (laughs) Just being honest with you. But those words were embedded in my mind. And they made the all-important trip down to the heart. And in the darkest nights of my soul, the truth of that chorus has sustained me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Think of Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus on the cross. If ever there was a collision of appearances, perception, and reality, it was there. 
From the appearances, everything was going south. His closest followers were prompted to betray, to deny, to desert, because all was lost. Where's God? Is He asleep at the wheel? Somebody wake Him up. Doesn't He care? And all the while, in the misperception, the reality was God was at work carrying out the scheme that He had in mind before the world was framed, before He spoke it into existence. He had this plan in place, this person, this Redeemer, through whom He would reconcile His creation to Himself. And He was active, present, wide awake and alert, carrying out your redemption and mine. What a powerful moment. And Jesus breathes His last. He's placed in the tomb. And on the third day, a chest heaves. Breath is taken. Eyes open. A stone's rolled away. And Jesus comes out. And He comes out bringing hope with Him for you and me no matter what. Because God's got this. And the cross reminds us of it forevermore. God's got this when you are in the toughest situations. And He's worthy of our trust. So I remind you of Romans 8.32. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? And I want to testify today, He will give us just what we need right when we need it. And if I can get a little personal in this message and testify to that, In a personal way today, I would tell you that I'm so thankful for the years of service here and the opportunity to draw a line under the service and finish up this semester. But i got to tell you, the last few months, I've been limping my way to the finish line, literally and figuratively. (laughs) Literally because of a problem with my knee, figuratively on an emotional level. (laughs) It's been tough. In fact, whisper prayer for me right now that I can get through all this. But spiritually, there's no limp. Baby, I'm on cruise control. (laughs) Because God's got this. He really does. On May 30th, I had arthroscopic surgery on a knee that's been giving me trouble for over a year. And uh, during the arthroscopic surgery, they were able to repair some stuff, but they discovered that it wasn't going to really work. We kind of hoped it would. And it got it done on May 30th because Deb and I were leading a mission trip to Northern Ireland uh, the end of June. So had a short rehab time, and thanks to uh, God and to a tremendous wife, I can't thank God enough for, and with the assistance of a narcotic called hydrocodone, uh, I... I, I uh, went on this mission trip and it was a tough one it was a tough one it really was Um, but we got through it and got home absolutely dead tired exhausted many of you know that my mom um, who was 97 years old has made her home with us for the last eight years and one of my sisters my sister cindy came and stayed with my mom to care for her needs mom had limited mobility and uh, impaired sight significant uh, difficulties and challenges. And so my sister Cindy was there to care for my mom. Deb and I got back from Northern Ireland, got home on July 10th, and uh, mom wasn't feeling real well, but we weren't overly alarmed. And then a couple days after that, she said, I've, I've got a pain in my stomach. And I said, well, mom, you need to tell us these things. You know, I'll, I'll get you into the doctor. So I was able to get her into the doctor on uh, July 14th. 
And he examined her and immediately sent us to the emergency room and wanted some other tests done, and they did a CAT scan and some other things. And, and the ER doctor came in with that hard news, and he looked at my mom and said, Miss Safer, I wish I had better news for you, but the CAT scan shows you have growths all over your abdomen. And uh, I'm 99% sure that it's cancer. We wouldn't be able to know without some intrusive procedures that really we shouldn't do because of your age and condition and because there's no surgical solution to the problem that she had, no matter what. And there was no chemotherapy that my mom could tolerate. And so his recommendation was palliative care, which is, uh, you know, reduce pain and manage pain and Hospice was in the future, and he gave us time to think about that. So if we had any questions, he left the room, and my mom turned her head to me and she said, Greg, can you get Psalm 121 on that phone of yours? She always loved this phone. Uh, honestly, she had me Googling stuff all the time. She was very sharp in her mind and wanted to continue to learn and grow. And so I said, well, sure, Mom. And so I brought up Psalm 121 in the King James Version, knowing it would be most familiar to her. And I read it to her. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And out of the corner of my eye, I see my mom lip-syncing this with me. Because of her sight problem, she had memorized this passage, along with lots of others. And she's lip-syncing as I continued. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And I was blessed in the moment. And I gave thanks for the God who's got this. Mom was in the hospital for four days, brought her home on hospice care July 18th. Previously scheduled on July 27th, as planned, I went in the hospital for a total knee replacement. One of my brothers, my brother Tom, came up and traded spots with my sister Cindy. And so now Deb and Tom are primary caregivers for mom who's on hospice and for me who most of the time was on the recliner. Complaining a little bit, maybe. Uh, I was frustrated because I couldn't care for my mom like I had for so long. Thankful, though, for Deb and my brother Tom. And our front door was like a revolving door with hospice personnel coming in to take care of mom and home health care coming in to take care of me. It was a zoo. It really was. But golden moments in the middle of it all. My mom continued in decline. So thankful for my wife to care for. My wife lost her mom when her mother was 56 years old, 35 years ago. Didn't get to enjoy a lot of adult life with her mother, but cared in a devoted way for mine. I used my walker and went in and talked with mom. It was about three days before she died. (laughs) She had become less and less alert. My brother Tom and I were standing there talking to mom, telling her, remembering things with her and telling her how much we love her. And then she said, I love you. I love both of you. And I love Deb too. She didn't know Deb was standing behind us. So Deb slipped up and grabbed her hand and said, Mom, I'm here. I love you too. And I kid you not, my mom who had kind of just been 
of what we've got going. There we go. My mom turned her head, opened her eyes, was as clear as she had been in days, looked right at Deb. And what a gift of grace God gave us in that moment through my mom. Mom said to Deb, I cherish you. Thank you for everything you've done for me. And then she said this, Your mother would be so proud of you. I'm telling you, in the most difficult circumstances, God's got this and He always gives grace. He is our deliverer and provider as depicted in this psalm. And sometimes our deepest gratitude can come in moments of deepest despair. So give thanks. Give thanks, as the psalm says, to the one who remembered us in our lowest state, who freed us from our enemies. Give thanks because His love endures forever. And I wanted to encourage you today because God has the capacity and inclination to redeem anything and anyone. So whatever your need is, whatever your situation, whatever the appearance is, the reality is God has this. God's got this in all these ways and really everything about Him we can know. In fact, the refrain in this endures forever. And it's the covenantal love that Mark Scott talked to us about a couple of weeks ago. This love that endures forever. And in the new covenant, this love is expressed through a body given and blood poured out for God so loved the world a sacrifice a death a burial and hallelujah a resurrection so I hope you feel like giving thanks OCC family because God is good and our altogether other God has worked the wonder of wonders our redemption and his love endures forever